0: everyone and welcome to the final episode of 2021 and this week we're doing something new for you. We are ranking albums from worst to first and the first band we're going to rank is ACDC.
1: With 16 studio albums, ACDC has quite an accomplished catalog. Today, Kenneth and I are going to rank them in the order we think is their weakest to their best. It's almost assured we won't agree on all their rankings, so we'll debate their placement. When all is said and done we'll have Debating
0: Metal's version of ACDC's Worst to First. Last week, we gave you our version of Pantera's Greatest Hits. Download the episode to hear how that ended up. And while you're there, go ahead and click the subscribe button, and you'll get our latest episode every time it comes out. All right, so now we have what we call Worst to First, and we're ranking today ACDC's albums from worst to first, from last to first place, from 16 to 1, because they have 16 studio albums. So... Um, basically, what we're going to do is we're going to each give you our list of 16 through 1. And then, um, obviously, where certain ones are going to match up. And obviously, certain ones are not. So, the ones that match up, we're most likely going to keep in its place. The ones that don't, we're going to debate to see whether or not they belong in that spot or worse or bet- or better. So, um, you want me to go ahead and read my list first? Or you want to read your list first? How you wanna yeah, do you want to do this? Ahead okay oh i'll go first start start things off i'll start things off (laughs) all right so my list is from worst to first number 16 rock or bust number 15 stiff upper lip number 14 blow up your video number 13 black ice number 12 power up number 11 razor's edge Number 10, Fly on the Wall. Number 9, Flick of the Switch. Number 8, Ball Breaker. Number 7, High Voltage. Number 6, Power age. Number 5, Dirty Deeds Done Dirt Cheap. Number 4, For Those About to Rock. Number 3, Let There Be Rock. Number 2, Highway to Hell. And number 1, Back in Black. So that's my list.
1: Okay, so my list is quite a bit different, um, but we do have a couple that match up. All right, and we have some that are close, which is good. So uh, my number 16 is Ball Breaker. 15 is Stiff Upper Lip. 14 is Fly on the Wall. 13 is Flick of the Switch. Number 12 is Rock or Bust. Uh, Number 11 is is blow up your video number 10 is power up number nine is high voltage number eight is black ice number seven is powerage number seven or sorry number six is for those about to rock we salute you my number five is let there be rock my number four is razor's edge number three is dirty deeds done dirt cheap number two is highway to hell and number one is back in black oh wow that is
0: definitely uh different obviously the similarities are there Um, I was very uh, surprised at some of the choices you made towards the the beginning really Um, beginning meaning beginning like the lower 16 through 15 14 I was quite surprised
1: so to some degree it surprised me as well because I actually did go through and listen to the entire albums in preparation for this from beginning to end and damn dude you have a lot of time on your hands <laughs> not necessarily um but you know you can do a lot of things while listening to music
0: yeah no so, and, and i get that for me it's at in this day and age for me it's a lot harder to get through a whole album uh or not get through the whole album but to actually listen to the whole album and well and trust not me be it was hard to get through a few of these so <laughs> yeah that that too some of them are hard to get through but um, I'm just surprised at certain ones, but th- the thing is, there's a there's a series of albums that ACDC put out that literally like it's two songs, three mm-hmm. songs, tops that are good, and then the rest are just like terrible. So I, <laughs> you
1: know? I ranked it on several merits, and and we can discuss this as we go, but I went on. Here are the you know the, here are the singles the highlights you know what or you know what stands out to me. I I ranked it on the impact that the album had, um you know what the sales were, um you know there was there was a lot of fa- facets to why that was the the placement that I put it in you know production etc. So we'll talk about all those and debate it and decide what we truly agree is is our you know is our definitive list
0: that no that's fine i and i'm and that actually sounds great i was uh, uh just surprised at certain placement even even with because but then again you know obviously it's my opinion i'm like how can you know i'm, I'm saying to myself right. as i'm listening to you <laughs> saying how can you think this is worse than this one you know so mm-hmm. we'll we'll lay it down and we'll figure it all out so we're at 16 albums we we for the so one of them <laughs> one of them in the first 15, in the first sixteen uh matches up at number fifteen. Uh so we're gonna start with the debate right off the bat with number sixteen. I put down rock or bust, you put down ball breaker.
1: So ball breaker, my my problem with the album, and it, it I don't think it's necessarily a bad album. Um so any of these like yeah you may say it's like the placement, worst of the albums, but they're still good albums, right? So, Ballbreaker is two times platinum in the U.S., three times platinum in Australia. That's better than some of the albums that I placed above it. Um, but as far as my opinion on it, there's a lot of factors that I think kind of pull back on the album. So, this did feature the return of Phil Rudd on drums, which is which is great, you know, in the grand scheme of things. But... I kind of thought that Chris Slade did you know a better job before him, so I thought it was it was a weaker drum sound than what was on the the previous album, so that kind of at listening to them in order kind of detracted in my mind from that um you know, I kind of feel bad for Chris Slade because he's been replaced by Phil Rudd twice, and you know, to his knowledge, he's still in ACDC. <laughs> um, you know, he was—they haven't was told so me dis- anything. He was so disgusted and disappointed when he was fired and, re- and replaced in the way it happened that he said he didn't touch his drums for three years, and that's kind of sad. But regardless, that um, has nothing to do with the album. Um, the album to me has a really soft sound. It doesn't have a lot of punch, which bothers me. Cause there's there's some really good songs on it, like Hard as Rock, Hail Caesar, Ballbreaker. But it's like as I'm listening to it,
0: it almost sounds like it's like they're trying not to wake you up. <laughs> okay, I, I I can kind of see what you mean. Um, the production, I, I get what you mean in terms of like there's probably a lot of not a, not a lot of dynamics. It's
1: real slick it's the only album that Rick Rubin produced. And to me,
0: it's too slick for ACDC. Uh, probably a very fair, um, assessment production wise. Um, for me, when I look at an album, um, I look at it in some, in some cases in a producer's type of eyes or ears. If you want to look at it that way. And, I try to sit there and and eliminate that part of it because also as someone who had what I think a a good ear for bands and songs and something like that, where almost like an A&R kind of guy, um, you have to look past the production value of certain things because what happens is a lot of times you get a demo or you hear a demo and you say, okay, this sounds like shit but I think I can make a hit out of this. Not, not saying me personally, but that's what a, what's, that's either what a producer or sometimes an A&R guy says, Oh man, this band, you know, this demo sounds terrible, but you can hear the quality of the song in it, you know? And like, you you can hear oh this you know like if it's a if it's like say for instance a Tom Petty type of individual or or someone who is just a singer songwriter you sit there and say oh I could hear this how this drums going to sound with this and and now if you bring in this bass player you know it's going to have this kind of of rhythm section so it's going to sound cool you know you just hear the strengths of the of the chorus you hear the strengths of the of the verses and you hear the melodies and you say oh this is this guy's got something even though the demo might sound like shit. You know, mm-hmm. so in this case with ACDC in this album, I, yes, I can, I can understand how it's a little, maybe quote unquote, too slick, a little, maybe too compressed, a little too flat. The dynamics are not necessarily there, but I'm looking at it. I look at it past that. I look at it. Is, is hard as a rock a good song? Is hail Caesar a good song? Is ball breaker? A good song. Those three are really the highlights of the album. But then is there anything else? The boogeyman's not bad. Cover you in oil is not bad you know so i looked at it that way i i see i agree with you to some degree
1: and, and and you have to do you have to take into consideration like the concert aspect of it like the album is more than just the album in the in a sense right, right. because th- there are certain albums that maybe necessarily aren't the best album but they have a huge impact because of one single you know, so Correct. there is something to consider there. So, I understand uh, not thinking uh, thinking of it in, on the production aspect of it, but at the same time, you you kind of have to to some degree because I don't. I'll be honest, I don't really enjoy listening to Ballbreaker when I'm listening to Cover You in Oil, and it sounds like it's it's just not. There's no like attack on it. It just kind of sounds muffled to to some degree. It loses its impact. So right, and I'm okay that. with not placing it at, at 16, um, but I don't think it's as high as, what did you have it at, 8?
0: I had it at 8, yes.
1: So I think maybe let's, for the moment, kind of find like a middle ground, maybe put it at like 12, okay. and then we can kind of go
0: from there. How do, What do you think? That sounds fine. All right. But now, okay, so... My number 16 was rock or bust. You okay. had it. You had it at number twelve. That's true. Yeah. So um Rock or, now for me, Rock or Bust the reason I put it as ACDC's weakest album is because of play ball. <laughs> I, I just <laughs> No, I, you know, I really don't think there was a lot good to it. I I really think this is one of these albums that they kind of almost felt obligated to do, even though you're talking, it was like approximately five years after the fact or something like that. Um, you know, it came out in 2014 and black ice came out in 20 in 2008. So you're talking six years, you know, six years between albums. Um, but when I say that, they almost felt kind of obligated. It's like, oh, we need to, you know, we need to put some music out, and then you th- you load it up with F- Cliff Williams. As as much as he finished a tour and so it, he almost to me it almost seemed like he checked out. Phil Rudd. Yeah, he was
1: he was ready to retire.
0: Right, exactly. Phil Rudd was basically he did his drum parts. And then got in trouble and then wasn't able to leave Australia, so they brought in, you know, uh, Chris Slade, but, you know, and Chris Slade was in the video, I think, or not even in the video. No, for, he wasn't even in the video. It yeah, so he wasn't guy. even in the video, but they brought him in for, for later on, they brought him in for some press pictures, but he wasn't even in the original press picture. He's not even on, you know, neither Phil nor Chris are on the album's pictures. Yep. Yep. Um, so it, it it's really weird, then of course, you know, the, the death of, of Malcolm Young and bringing in Stevie. This is the first time Stevie's well, in it.
1: Keep in mind, Mal- Malcolm passed away in 2017. Um, he retired because of the health issues. Well, true, right? He had so he, he, had he wasn't retired, so he, he wasn't part dead. of the
0: band, yeah. Um, so he was still alive, but he pretty much was, was done playing, yep. So, you know, Stevie's in there it's a different vibe. I don't know. It to, to me, it almost seemed like it was just something that they just, and, and if, hell to say six years later that the album was rushed is, is not, is not necessarily a, a correct statement, but I think that they, they didn't really put their hearts into it or let's say, but put it this way, Angus didn't put his heart into making this album. There was, and there was so much swirling through the, through the ACDC camp, yeah, uh,
1: I, I, I I can agree to it, and 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 the fact is, I I can agree for a little bit lower placement for sure. Um, there there are so I think there are aspects of it that, yeah, the the heart wasn't a hundred percent there. Um, I think that there's gonna it you're gonna be hard pressed to say that Angus will ever reach a point in his life where he doesn't want to make music. So, but I think Malcolm not being there did. Add to the troubles of production, um, obviously Phil Rudd being fired, you know, um, right after his drum parts are recorded that's it, that's a big deal. Um, you know, just the general, um, production woes are a problem. That being said, it does sound really good. The quality, like the the audio quality is, is pretty damn good on the album. Um, Rocker Bust is a really good song. I like Misadventure. I like Baptism by Fire a lot. Um, Play Ball is technically a highlight because it is a it's a uh, single, and I believe a couple baseball teams use it. Um, you know, pro baseball teams use it for their their games and stuff like that. But that being said, I, I'm not a big fan of the song. Um, it's it's a troubled album and i'm i can agree to placing it a bit lower. So where do you think it should go?
0: Um i mean if we we're going to look at it that way um i would say 14 for now. Okay, for now, yeah. All right. So, so the question begs is what's what album is going to be last?
1: For right now, I'm kind of leaning towards, and we can talk about this, but we both placed "Stiff Upper Lip" at 15, right? So we mm-hmm. have a d- varying disagree, or I mean, degrees of opinion in regard to the placement of these albums. Um, so let's go over "Stiff Upper Lip" just for now. Um, it's one-time platinum in the U.S. and one-time platinum in Australia. And the reason I picked both, or I talk about both of those, is because they are an Australian band. And it does add a little bit of insight because some of these albums, the, the platinum ranking in Australia is drastically different than what it is in the US. So there is, there is an aspect of it. I think it's interesting. It doesn't necessarily shape my opinion of it, but I think it's interesting to bring up. Um, where some of them are higher in the US than, than they are in Australia, there's a lot of them that are the opposite. So, um, so, I think overall, like stiff upper lip came out five years after Ballbreaker. I think overall, Ballbreaker has some better stuff going on, but I also think stiff upper lip has some better stuff going on. So they, they to me they rank fairly closely, and that's why I put them right next to each other. Um, the song stiff upper lip. Uh, safe in New York City and Satellite Blues, I think are all very good. Um, I think it has better mixing than Ballbreaker, which is a big factor to me. Um, like I'm not all about um, just slick production or something like that, but but mixing I think is very important. Where um, I thought Ballbreaker, some of the stuff fell into the background that should have been pushed a little more forward. And what ends up happening is even though it's it sounds "quote unquote more produced it also has a rawer sound than ballbreaker so i think in that way it's it's a little better but i think i'm i'm giving it a little bit too much leeway also because i don't think
0: the album stand out, stands out whatsoever um it's you know the the thing about acdc is the joke has always been they've put out the same song now for 40, 50 years (laughs) and they haven't changed Um, and, and obviously that's not the case. I mean, but you know, there's only so many chords on the guitar. They're a
1: blues based band. They're going
0: to play a lot of blues music. You know, of course Um, you know, so you know, it's almost the, 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 it's almost the equivalent to, yeah, we've, you know, We've heard A C D C before. They've put out the same song, you know. They they put out the same re- I've heard this song before. I've heard that song before. No, it's not necess- it's not realistically like that. You know, it's just that's just a common joke. Mm-hmm. Um you know, if you've heard one A C D C song, you've heard them all. And and I disagree with that completely because I think they've do come out with some unique songs. Yeah. Um I but I always joke around the bass line being the same on every song. <laughs> but you know what? It, typically is
1: (laughs) in some of the newer albums though cliff did do a little bit more which which it took him 40 years to really start experimenting but (laughs) that's better than phil rudd who plays the same drum beat on every song
0: but uh, you know what what's what's (laughs) really unique about phil rudd is that a lot of drummers will tell you to do what Phil Rudd does is harder to did, to do than what some of these freaking guys in 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 you know uh, melodic death metal bands do, and it's it's because it is a matter of keeping a pace so consistent mm-hmm. that it you know you you don't have to necessarily be, and it's weird to say it this way, but you're doing a a, a a a you know triplet you know over triplet drum fill. Right. And that doesn't necessarily have to be so precise because you can just, you have to put these notes in or these beats in within this certain measure. You have however many beats you can throw in there. Right. Yeah. With, with Phil, you know, it, it's so spacious in the, because the, the, they don't play fast songs that if it's not dead, you know, dead nuts on. With, with the exception of uh, <laughs> Let There Be Rock. Right. And, they, and then, let there be rock chris slade explained let there be rock and he said that is probably the hardest song to play yeah because um they're asking i think he said that on the hi-hat they're trying to do it at 16ths uh or eighths. i can't remember what it was and you get to that point where there's a breakdown they play that song in some cases live up to 10 to 12 minutes long and there's no break for Chris, and there's no or or Phil, and there's no break for uh, Cliff Williams. I mean, they're just hitting that beat the whole Cl- time. Cliff Williams.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Cliff, the bass player. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I, yeah. I was just trying to think of the console. Yeah, because because his part is fairly similar. Right. right,
0: you know, I mean, yeah. he's just hitting that bass line, <laughs> yeah, 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 the whole way through, and doesn't really. I mean, th- there might be a break where there's just just the drums at one point here and there, and that gives Cliff a time for his forearm to relax, maybe ten seconds. <laughs> but that, that, if you if you ever notice, you know, Cliff uses that sh- leather strap on his forearm. That is so his muscle doesn't just like bulge out of his arm. That that that. <laughs> He had, I mean, he must have had some ripping hard freaking forearm muscles because of the way he played. Um, So um, I get what you're saying with stiff upper lip. Um, i say for now, since we both had it at number 15, why don't we go ahead and put it at number 16?
1: Okay. Yeah, I, I, I can agree to that. We'll put it there for now. And then what's gonna end up happening is we're just gonna have to finesse this. Like once we like say we pick ones that's eleven, we decide is it really better than the album that's at twelve, you know, something like that. So
0: Okay. Right. so so we've agreed to put stiff upper lip at sixteen. Um so that moves that opens up a spot at fifteen. Okay. Now, looking at your list, you had blow up your video higher than flick of the switch. I do. And uh I have uh flick of the switch higher than way higher <laughs> than blow up your video. Um so we've got a lot of, of issues. <laughs> <laughs> um okay, let's let's look at this. Let's go ahead and look at Fly on the Wall, your are your number fourteen. Okay. Um and it's my number ten. You know, and it's it's in front of Razor's Edge for me, and in front of Power Up. Um, Flying a Wall for me, what what I what I kind of enjoyed when I say with Flying a Wall was the fact that they really, you know, the the record company was really really behind this album. It is the most different sounding album of ACDC's entire catalog. Um, the drums sound really really. Um, spacious in terms of there's a lot of reverb, a lot of echo. They, they sound like they're like in a big room, um, which is completely opposite of everything they've ever done in every album before and since. That's true. And it, it, that, that one thing right there, like when I first heard it, I was like, wow, this is really different for ACDC. Um, I'm not necessarily a fan of the way the drums sounded. Um, but They sound I, different, f- and it's Simon yeah.
1: Wright on dry, drums. It's the first album, I believe, that with him on drums. Right. Um, and the, it sounds fine. Like, the drums sound okay. It does sound spacious, like you said. But it also has the same effect for uh, Brian Johnson's vocals. And I think that's to the detriment of the album, because you can't understand hardly anything he says. It's it. There's a huge reverb effect. He's too low in the mix. Um, you know they would change the mix for "Sink the Pink" and Shake, uh, "Shake Your Foundations" when they appeared on "Who Made Who," and they sound so much better on "Who Made Who." So it is a it like yeah. There are some good songs on here, and I I do like those two songs, but that's about it. Um, some of the other tracks I think are really weak on this album. And uh, the two tracks that really set it apart sound way better on, on another album.
0: <laughs> so that's I, why I placed it so low. Right. And it's so funny. So like this album, uh, I would say this album is the second album that was released by the band that I was into into AC/DC 4 um so at the time that i got into AC/DC, for those about to rock was already out um obviously dirty d's was already out so flick of the switch was the first album that came out that it was like brand new as a, as for me as a fan and when i heard flick of the switch and I, when i heard um some of the other songs on it. I thought that was it wasn't bad, you know. I noticed that Simon Wright was the drummer, or I didn't know who he was at the time. Like, who's this guy? I Found out he was Simon Wright. Um so then Fly on the Wall comes out and now I'm of age to where I can go to concerts. And I I was of age before that, but I didn't have the ability to and my aunt wouldn't take me and you know going by myself into the city was not a was not an option. Um so um, this was the first album that I really, really got a lot of, uh, was able to pay a lot of attention to, and they had a shitload of videos for it on MTV, um, fly in the wall. I mean, this whole album, they did a, they did a whole, um, like mini movie type of thing to it. And it included several songs from the album. So buying this album new, you know, fly in the wall, shake your foundations, danger, sink the pink. Hell or High Water, Back in Business, all those songs kind of still ring uh, uh, some sort of nostalgia for me. Those were pretty decent songs. Okay. Um, And so that that. was the reason why I ranked it higher. And I guess that might include the the nostalgia factor for it. You know, why did I rank it higher than uh, Blow Up Your Video? Because to me, Blow Up Your Video only had two decent songs on it and everything after that was kind of generic. But production wise is probably better than f- flying a wall. Yeah. I, I mean, that's the
1: way I feel about this album though. Like there's only two or so um, album. I mean, songs that I really like. Um, but from your perspective, I, I totally get it, you know, cause it is, it is a different mentality of hearing it new. And when it comes mm-hmm. out and experiencing it, like the MTV generation and all that stuff. So right. um, I'm okay with placing this a bit higher No, Um, I
0: actually was going to say we can can place it at 15 um, for that regard. So I I was actually going to bring it down from 14 to 15. Yours was 14, right? Okay. Um, Mine was number 10. I don't have a problem putting it at 15.
1: But do you think it's better than Rock or Bust or no?
0: (sighs) Well, you know. You have some good some good merits on on your argument about rock or Bust. I mean, okay. obviously, production wise, it's better than you know than Fly uh, on you know, the Wall is is not as good as rock or Bust in terms of production. So, um, I mean, if if you want to look at it that way, if you want to lower mine and raise yours, I guess you could say we could put Fly on the Wall at thirteen. It's it's up. I mean, it, it,
1: that's that's the thing. Do you which one do
0: you believe is a better album? Like after discussing this, what do you think? I mean, in my opinion, the better album, because it just has better songs to me, would be Fly On The Wall. Okay, then we'll move Rock or Bust temporarily
1: down to 15, and we'll put uh, Fly On The Wall at 14. Okay. Okay, so that comes to my my number 13, which is Flick of the Switch. Um, and, And before we move on technically. I want to mention that fly on the wall and flick of the switch, um, both have one time platinum in the U S and three time platinum in Australia. So it's kind of interesting. I think there were three albums right in a row that have that same ranking. Hmm. Um, okay. So one thing about flick of the switch that I do really like, this was 1983. It's before fly on the wall. Um, it goes back to kind of a more raw sound that they adopted with Back in Black and um, um, For Those About to Rock. So, that, for better or worse, depending on your opinion on the way that ACDC should sound, um, you know, th- I think that, that was kind of a cool aspect of it was they did become, like, more, um, well produced i think with the previous two albums i don't think that's a bad thing i think that the production on back in black and we'll talk more about that later is is some of the best production i've ever heard on an album but i do like the more raw sound that they had with the bond scott era as well so it's just an interesting note i don't think it makes it better or worse this album had a really troubled production um, Phil Rudd was fired after his drum parts were recorded. That sounds similar to another album we just talked about. <laughs> um, issues arise with drugs with the band, um, and Malcolm was having a lot of issues. This has, by far, the worst album cover of any of their album covers, because they've had some stinkers, they've had some good ones, but this one sucks. <laughs> <laughs> It, it what's um, funny is it was supposed to be the sketch that was like this is what I want to do and 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 Angus was like that's it that's the album cover and the studio hated it
0: and I hate it too. <laughs> um, it's it's definitely uh, let's put it this way it goes in line with what they've put out since Back in Black. I mean Back in Black was a black album. ACDC the the logo was. Embossed, it's raised.
1: It's so simple that it comes. It's off classic. It's simple,
0: and they outlined ACDC the same way they outlined it on this one. So this is like a negative imprint of that, except they threw Angus f- flicking the switch in a in a sketch. You know, f- for those about to rock was that the bronzy goldish cover with the same thing It was an outline of the album of the the, the logo, and that that works
1: because it goes along with what you see on. Uh, back in black in a sense it's very simple it's monotone, it works this yeah it's monotone but it's also it's a sketch like finish it's like um iron maiden um dance of death that was not supposed to be the final image, and the 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 guy just yeah we can
0: talk about that one later but <laughs> 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 it's so bad <laughs> yeah, i mean so i I don't have as much of a problem with album cover. I guess you could say, yeah. um, as some people may or may not. Um, it doesn't it's just bother a note. me.
1: It doesn't really affect my opinion on the album itself. But I just, it's, I just had to talk about it because, as an artist, it is. It, <laughs> sometimes you see something and it's like, why did this happen?
0: <laughs> oh no! Of course, it, it, yeah. We, and then you know, you and I talk about stuff like that all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean. It, it's it, it it at least it, it, it it's a sketch, but at least it doesn't look unfinished. In my opinion, okay, it just looks like it, it's too simple of a sketch. Um, but I can you know you could say at least they erased the shit around it and made, <laughs> made it look like it's somewhat finished, you know. Um, and I get I I mean I get the 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 dislike of it, but for me it was again you know this is the first album to come out. You know it, it went in line with what was coming out at the time. You went from back and black to for those about to rock to flick or switch. back then, I didn't pay as much attention to their album covers uh, as especially when as plain as they were. I'm like oh, there's not a lot really to talk about. Yeah. Um, but as time went on, the reason why album covers became more and more important was because of bands like uh, Iron Maiden bands like Metallica that put so much emphasis on what the album covers were going to look like that you, you, you really at some point had no yeah. choice. Yeah, you know, and, and it was funny because I was listening to another podcast this week that was talking about the Iron Maiden covers and they were talking about how much the covers are for Iron Maiden. They they don't necessarily give what the music on the inside of the album is going to be like you think of it to be much darker you think of it to be much more evil to some degree because of eddie you would almost think it's kind of supposed to be heavier even though they're a heavy metal band but um once you became an iron maiden fan then that association kind of disappeared you know, as, as, as a non-fan on looking in from the outside, you would sit there and say, oh, this band is supposed to be so much heavier, you know, killers. I mean, that, uh, that album should just be about death and destruction and all that stuff. And it's not, you know, it's Iron Maiden with Paul Deano and, and I'm not saying it's, it's lively <laughs> and I'm not saying it's, it's all happy, but it's it, the, 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 you don't get that same impression as an outsider. But once you became a fan of Iron Maiden, you knew. Now ACDC albums, you see, as they pro- they progressed, they always had the same th- some sort of theme. It was all about Angus. It's been about Angus since Let There Be Rock. He's their Eddie. although. Yeah, he's their Eddie. He's there, Eddie. Yeah, but fun, funny enough, like uh, Highway to Hell, I think is one of the only albums that includes uh, every band member you know mm-hmm. it, it, yes angus is highlighted but it, every band members on the front album cover which is not typical it's one of those things where you know angus it, it's funny because you would almost think that angus is like this big egotistical maniac
1: <laughs> absolutely
0: and, not <laughs> yeah definitely not but anyhow that all being said we're talking about flick of the switch um I believe, you know, regardless of the of the album cover, the songs to me are are they're pretty good. Um I like This House is on fire. I like Flick of the Switch, love Guns for Hire. Guns for Hire is is one of the best tracks on the album. I actually
1: like yeah. the closing track, Brain Shake. That one's really good. Nervous Shakedown shake is, is pretty, good. pretty good, so I th- I think it overall it has some good tracks. Um, it just you can tell that there were some issues in the production, much like what you said with Rocker Bust. You know, you like when you it you can hear an album and there's there's a there's something that tells you like there was maybe something wrong when they recorded this. And that's always kind of the way I've felt about this album, where it just feels a little bit disjointed um and maybe it's the same way you felt about rock or bust so for me i I think that's kind of something that that I've always felt, and then I heard i mean once I heard you know what was going on during the production, it makes more sense to me yeah
0: um absolutely um it you could definitely you could definitely hear. The difference between "Back in Black" to "For Those About to Rock" and then to flicking the switch, mm-hmm. um, you can see that the the progression, or actually, if you want to look at it this way, you can see the you can hear the regression. Yeah, because "Highway to Hell," "Back in Black," and "For Those About to Rock" are all produced by Robert John Lang. Um, you can hear the progression from "Highway to Hell" to "Back in Black," but you can hear a, a little slight difference in the in the snare drum sound um and production of the guitars on for those about to rock compared to back in black and i, I agree with you back in black is probably one of the best produced albums to ever come out and it it's it's the benchmark to when you look at a, a, an album's production we'll you, talk you more start about that there later. you know uh, that's those that's one of the albums that you look at um so flicking a switch you could just tell is a, definitely a lot rawer, a lot more in your face um a lot drier and that that's that's a, a testament to what angus and malcolm wanted they wanted it to sound less produced they wanted it to sound more like let there be rock
1: yeah and that's that's fine um and i don't have a problem with it my my problem is less about that raw sound i think i think it's fine cuz i like i don't have a problem with the way that um you know uh highway to hell sounds versus back in black i think they both sound amazing for the album that they are and i'm fine with the way that flick of the switch sounds for the the songs that are on the album i think it sounds great i think it sounds way better than than fly on the wall did um but yeah it's just as an album i don't think it's super strong
0: and it has it has its issues yeah so um i can i can i can see it being lower on the list Um, but I think it's above flying the wall
1: based on our conversation about ball breaker. I don't think it's better than ball breaker. Um, so I'm okay with it being 12 or 13 for now.
0: So let me ask you something because I have, I have power up at 12. Okay. Um, so we we need to talk about that then. Yeah. So let's, let's talk about power up. Well, we need um, to place
1: this somewhere for now. So, so let's
0: put it at thirteen for now.
1: Okay. So we'll move Ballbreaker down to no, we're putting it at thirteen. You
0: said okay. Right. Gotcha. All right. So then let's talk about Power Up. Power. So Power Up is is uh, is the newest album from ACDC. Mm-hmm. And production wise, outstanding. Oh, absolutely! It sounds great. Exactly. I mean, it to me um one of the better sounding albums that they've put out probably since um The Razor's Edge. Yeah. You know, because I mean and it's weird because all these albums are produced by the same person. <laughs> you know, and it's like, how does it one become so outstanding, and another one not as much? You know, Brendan O'Brien has been their producer since um, Black Ice, because he did not do Stiff Upper Lip, but he did Black Ice, he did Rocker bus, he did Power Up, and the the discussion that you had mentioned earlier about album sales it doesn't, to me, does not necessarily reflect with power up because it's the times new. have changed so much.
1: It's too new. The times have changed. So in a lot of ways, you're right. It doesn't reflect as much because a lot of these are based around the time period that they came out in. And obviously rock is not as, as huge as it once was. So it's hard to, to gauge some of the newer albums like post 2000 um, on the same, you know, wavelength that you would anything before it. So I agree with you there. It's just this being gold in Australia, having no ranking in the U.S., I S I don't think is indicative of the quality of the album.
0: No, absolutely not. Um, and it was, if I'm not mistaken, a number. Yeah. It was number one in the United States. It was number one across the globe when it came out.
1: Yeah. It just hasn't hit any, you know, platinum ranking or anything like that. Right.
0: Yet. But number but number one nowadays is such a different version of number one back in the day. Mm-hmm. Um, between now every so so soundscan started in 1991 i think it was or 1990 and that tracked record sales direct from the record stores to to sold you know and into the consumer's hands that was an exact identification of what albums were sold prior to that it was all based on what they shipped from the record company based on what the record stores say they sold Mm -hmm. okay and so a lot of that was done by hand I mean to the point where that's the reason why Pink Floyd's um, Dark Side of the Moon was ranked so high and on the top 200 album charts for so long because it it basically became not a joke but like an inside joke we're gonna list our top 200 and some somewhere along the way we got to put Pink Floyd because it was all done by hand. Then when SoundScan came out, all of a sudden Pink Floyd disappeared. Yeah. Well, you know, literally from one week to the next. Um, So um, it was a true representation of what was being sold out there. And then, and even though SoundScan is still in use today, now streaming um, has gotten such a different... Uh, value I guess you could say that it's hard to determine the reality of what is the impact of these new albums um, it's you know however hun- however many hundred thousand streams uh, does counts as a record sold I mean that, that that's crazy to think about you need uh, so many thousands of streams to determine one album sold
1: yeah it, it doesn't it just does not register in the same way and, and you can't rank it in the same way. You have to think about it in the, the time period that it came out. So you're, you're a hundred percent right there.
0: So anyway, the the bottom line with power up is, you know, I don't, I don't look at, at album sales and even for rock or or black ice, because let's put it this way. What's even more unique about black ice is that it was two times platinum in the U S and that is strictly, let me not say strictly, but um, from what I understand, that was like exclusive to Walmart. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I remember that album
0: coming out, and that was the only way, only place you could get it. You, that's the only place you can get it. So you had to go to Walmart to get Black Ice. It still did double platinum in the United States, you know. So that's amazing in and of itself compared to stiff stiff upper lip, which went platinum. Eight years earlier, when when record sales were technically better, and um, that was available, you know, to all stores. Yep. So it, it almost doesn't even make sense to some degree. All right. So anyhow, power up. Um, you know, we can't we can't compare record sales. So we're gonna look at you know just basically the basic impact. It's got a lot of good songs, but what I what I don't necessarily agree with is that the songs are relatively one pace like almost the entire album except for like one or two songs have the same exact pacing the same exact you know uh beats per minute type of thing and so to me there's not a lot of of variety on this album
1: there's a lot of albums that suffer from that problem though Let's mm, let's be honest yeah. uh, I think as time went on there's several albums that have a lot of that same problem. I agree. Um but I don't think this is the worst culprit of that. I think and I think that, you know, songs like Demon Fire, uh Through the Mists of Time, like if you compare those two, they're drastically different, you know. Right. Um Exactly. Through the Mists of Time is a softer song and I really enjoy it. Like it, that was one that I didn't, when I first heard it, I didn't really think as much of. Um, but as I listened to it more, and I guess I think of it also in the perspective of these, this is 2020, you know, this is an album that is what, um, what 40 years, um, 46 years, 56 years. No, 46 after 46. Yeah. After their debut, you know, or not, no, 40, 4 years. I'm I'm terrible at math today, clearly.
0: <laughs> so 2021 to to 1975 75. Remember? So, you know, it's uh yeah, it's 46 years. Four,
1: yeah, 45 years uh 45 46 whatever since they first started, mm-hmm. right? So, you know, that's that's you know, that's a long time to be playing music. So at some point, you're going to start running out of ideas. And I think that was in the mid-90s. Um, but <laughs> but, <laughs> but they have some really great tracks on this album. Uh, there's also an emotional component to this album because it's the return of Brian Johnson, Cliff Williams, who had retired. Brian Johnson had to retire because of his, uh, his ear problems. They said he was going to lose his he- hearing. Uh, and Phil Rudd rejoined the band. Much to chris slade 's shock, and he still believed he was in the band up until recording of the album um yeah, so there is some aspect to that. You have this album at number twelve. I have it at number ten. I think it's a valid contender for number eleven sounds fair to me i think I think the fact that it is a a comeback album of sorts is a, is a really you know good component. The production sounds amazing. The mix is really good. Brian Johnson sounds great on vocals. Some of the songs I think are very impactful like like you said I think you mentioned when we first started listening to this that you liked Demon Fire a lot. Um oh it stuck out that stuck that, out
0: to me big time. I love that yeah, song.
1: Yeah, that to me is the is the standout song on the album, but I think through the miss of time realize uh, shot in the dark. What's the other one? Uh, rejection or something like that. The second album. I mean, the second song, I thought that was really yeah, good. The second song is rejection. Yeah. So, I mean, I think it's a, it's a good album. And I think to me, it stands out more than some of the, the ones we've already talked about.
0: That's good. I mean, it, at 11 is fine with me. Um, cause it's up one from where I put it and down one from where you put it. So that's a, that's a perfect negotiation okay. and uh compromise. um, <clears throat> So your number 11 was blow up your video. And that was my number 14. We talked a little bit about that. Um, so it, 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 in this particular case, it's, it's uh rising up one. So let's talk a little bit about that album real quick. Okay. You know, it, it was an album, you know, released in 1988. To me, it only had two good songs. Um, I actually was, went to see ACDC on this tour, and um, and that's all they played from that tour was those two songs or from this album on that tour. There's not a lot to the rest of this album to me. This, this was another one that, like you said,
1: it has like the same pace throughout. I think that's definitely true. Um, I, I do kind of question my placement of it because I do like some of the songs on it. Like Heat Seeker, I think, is pretty good that's the way I want to rock and roll. It's, it's a pretty standard song. Like it's, it, it doesn't, it's not amazing, but at the same time, like it's a good, it's a good track. Um, I think two's up is a, is an underrated track. I've always really liked that one. And this means war, um, is, is pretty good. It's, it's a lot, it's a fast paced kind of fun song. It's probably the only song on the album that really does have a different pace. Um, this was also the last album with when Brian jo- Johnson wrote lyrics. I think there's a reason for that. His lyrics became weaker as time went on. Um, I think the, the next album that came out has better lyrics, um, which was The Razor's Edge. We'll talk more about that one later. Um, but this also did start to help um, bring them back into the spotlight because they had some... Um, financial failures uh, with the previous two albums up to this point. And they had kind of fallen off from their successes uh, following um, Back in Black and For Those About to Rock. And Blow Up Your Video actually kind of brought them back into some level of prominence and then that would be really more cemented with The Razor's Edge. So I was kind of taking that into account where they had kind of regressed a little bit with the last few albums. And then this one came out, the production sounds better. People started paying more attention to them, but I agree. It's really not a good album per se. It just kind of brought them back into prominence.
0: Right. So the question then begs it to be asked, is this better than flick of the switch?
1: I think it's better than flick of the switch. It may not be better as an album than Ballbreaker, And I don't think it's better than power up. So I'm okay with putting it at number twelve and moving up Power Up and Ball Breaker.
0: What do you think? That that sounds good to me because I, you know, I didn't have it better than Power Up and I didn't have it better than Ball Breaker. So
1: I mean, you're, I'm, I'm open to you discussing it. If you think it's better than Flick of the Switch, we can talk about that.
0: No, uh, it's not necessarily better or worse because that it became. Part of that series of albums that did nothing. Yeah, basically, it's uh, it's one of the. They three. were all platinum.
1: Yeah, it's one-time platinum in the U.S., three-time platinum in Australia. I mentioned that earlier. There were three in a row that did the same. I think they're all about the same level. I just think "Blow Up Your Video" sounds better than "Flick of the Switch" and "Fly on the Wall." They all have two two tracks essentially that people know. That's that that's it. All three of them. Like we have songs that we like. Like I like. Um, Guns for Hire and, and Brain Shake but Flick of the Switch and Nervous Shakedown are the ones that people like off of that album and the same thing can be said for Bulletproof Up Your Video, it's Heat Seeker and that's the way I want to rock and roll. People don't know the other songs, like we like the deep cuts we think that, that they define the album sometimes to us but the fact is three albums, three in a row, ranked the same way um, had you know, pretty minor hits this one was the most prominent of the three. I think it belongs above the other two.
0: Okay. Sounds good. And that's where we have them. Blow up your video <laughs> 12, flick it to switch 13 and fly into wall 14. Yeah.
1: Well, so that brings us to, uh, I'm going to go over my number nine. You have it higher. Um, and that's high voltage, the 1976 international version. And that's what we're going over is in the international releases. Um, this is a three time platinum us, uh, release and I'm not going to go over the Australian because it's it's a different album it's actually two different albums so (laughs) yeah Um, this is their debut in the US a little bit more slow paced and bluesy than some of the stuff that would follow Um, it's somewhat of a compilation of the two albums uh, from 1975 in Australia which were high voltage and TNT some of those songs uh, that were on both of those albums would appear on the uh, 74 jailbreak 74 correct
0: yeah 74
1: um and so this one has some some hits with it's a long way to the top if you want to rock and roll tnt can i sit next to you girl which is um what's his name's only claim to fame Mm -hmm. dave Dave evans Evans. (laughs) um it received mixed
0: we 're not even going to talk about it, yeah, him today. not today.
1: <laughs> um, <laughs> it received uh mixed reviews, but over time it's really gained more praise. I think it's a good album, and it's it's really you know fun to hear that that beginnings of the band, but i don't think it's very strong as as an album because it really it is a, a compilation it's a lot of stuff that they thought would work in the u s but when I go back and I have them on my. Uh, playlist or my my uh, my phone, I've got them in their original formats in the Australian versions, which I think are better albums than this. So, what do you think?
0: Um, I think it works in in the international version because, quite honestly, the stuff that was on TNT and High Voltage, you know, TNT is almost the same album. Um. Mm-hmm. But they took off... TNT you know,
1: is almost the same album as this High Voltage.
0: Right. They they took off Rocker and they took off School Days and then they added um, the songs that, that are on this album, which uh, is, they added um, She's Got Balls and um, I believe it's a, a Little Lover. So it, it's it is a compilation but at the same time it's not it's just kind of like a you know the way they did the beatles it's all it's an alternative alternative version mm-hmm. um i think this version works better um because i think the songs that they took off were weaker songs um, except for um i said they took off tnt they didn't they didn't take off they tnt they did not um, t- essentially no they oh they took off school days and um, uh rocker that's what i said so you know, rocker works where it works on "Dirty Deeds." Um, School Days is a cover, if I'm not mistaken. So, it, it's it's one of these songs that it wasn't necessarily needed to be uh, on that on the international version. So, I think it worked. Um, that being said, yeah,
1: I mean, just to bring it up, you lose some really good tracks. Um, that would, yeah, they would appear on seventy four Jailbreak, but like from the original High Voltage, you lose, you lose Soul Stripper, you lose, you ain't got a hold on me, Show Business, you know, some of the some really good tracks. Um,
0: so yeah, the original High Voltage though, it, it's, it's a, to me a, a definitely not as good as the international high voltage. Um in reality if they would have put this out in the United States this would have done nothing. Um that's the way I look at it. Yeah, I agree. There's a it's, lot of good uh, there's a lot of good original music on on high voltage international versus the Australian version.
1: Yeah, it's it's but it's really neither here nor there because this is what we got in the US. This is what people were exposed right. to, and it wasn't until later that we got, you know, the other stuff like the from the jailbreak release, which I think the jailbreak EP is really good. I think those are the best songs, some of the best songs from those two albums, to be honest, in my opinion. So, again, yeah, I can I can see that again. Neither was, here nor there. It was there. pretty cool. Yeah.
0: coming out ten years after the fact, but that's okay. Um, I I like this album, and so it, its placement. At where you're at, you have it at number nine, I have it at number seven. Um, you know, the only thing that that comes up at this point is where do we put black ice in comparison? Because I had black ice a lot lower, you have black ice at number eight. Gotcha. Okay. So we'll, we'll so, get to that one next then. Yeah. Right, so we we kind of have to do black ice and high voltage at the same time.
1: Well, we can place high voltage at number eight for now since it's right between and then we can decide where we want to place
0: black ice. Right, so so we're going to so we're going to put black ice at 9 cuz we're at number 9. Not
1: necessarily. Let's talk about it first.
0: Okay. okay. Cuz I mean so, we've
1: we've made different decisions up till now of where we want to put something. So mm-hmm. um so let's talk about black ice. I mean 2 times platinum in the US, 5 times platinum in Australia, like you mentioned a little bit earlier, you want to go over the the
0: the platinum ranking for Black Ice in the U.S. Black Ice came out. It's got two million copies sold, and it was sold exclusively at Walmart. That, that's amazing. Yeah, I remember it um, coming out, and that was like the only place
1: you could find it. And it was kind of a big deal because of streaming, etc. Like that—that that was it. Like you just had to go to Walmart to pick it up which was a boon for Walmart and to, sh- to, to hit two times platinum in 2008
0: for a band like ACDC. That's huge. Yes. that That's enormous. Now, the issue that I have with the album is it, to me, it's 15 songs. It's a lot of filler and, you know, filler ACDC, although it's better than most fillers is is relatively generic, you know, and that's the reason why the albums in the late 80s suffered as much as they did. So, so so I
1: agree with you. It it did have a lot of filler. The thing is, it had five really good tracks at least. And that's Rock and Roll Train, Big Jack, Anything Goes, Money Made, and Black Ice. I think all of those are really good, especially Rock and Roll Train. I never thought I would enjoy a song called rock and roll train. That's That's as generic a rock song title as I've ever heard. But I really, I like that track a lot. Big. What about rock or bust? <laughs> right. Big Jack is great. Um, and then, you know, all the others that I mentioned are, are really good. So I think it has that over some of the other albums we've talked about where we felt like this only has two good songs. Well, this one has more. It also has more content. So it, Right. Yeah, it, there is a lot of filler. Um what I do really like, and I mentioned earlier that that Cliff started experimenting more. There is a little bit more funk in this album. And Cliff is playing with more energetically in 2008 than he did in 2000. Than he did in some of the earlier albums. So I do really like that about this album. And the the mix is fantastic. It sounds so good. We talked
0: about it with Power Up. I think Black Ice sounds just as good. And it should, because Brendan O'Brien is the same producer. I mean, Brendan O'Brien is a really good producer. Done Pearl Jam stuff. Mm-hmm. He's, he's part of that, that grunge movement. Um, as term, as far as the producers concerned, that's where he made his fame. And what what um, he
1: brought in, I think with his with his ear for that type of music is there's a little more edge to the sound. The guitar has more edge. Um, the 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 drums have more impact. that it just sounds good.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. You know, like I said, he's 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 a great producer. I mean, and also to his credit, he's done Stone Temple Pilots and Rage Against the Machine in terms of the hard rock mm-hmm. realm. Um, but he's also done Bruce Springsteen and Bob Dylan, so that that goes to tell you that that people who are outside of the realm of hard rock actually appreciate what he does. You know, at the board, yeah, you know, as well. And and it's not just a board at the board. Not he's not just a a, a board producer. He he brings out a sound yep. from the band and he has a great way to mix stuff. So it's he's a great producer. He's got a great sound. He's a guitar player as well, so he knows. Um so as far as, as Black Ice is concerned, I probably haven't given Black Ice enough credit through through the through time only because it was one of those where I felt that after it was so much content, I like, I didn't want to go through it all. That's yeah, and you that's know? fair
1: enough. Like there's there's a lot of these
0: albums, like you know, money made was was a song that, that's that's pretty good, you know, but it, it's so far into the album, it's like yeah, I'm done. You know, I don't yeah. want to hear this album anymore. You know, so I got you get past War Machine, and it's like okay, it's starting to get generic now, and you know it loses me. So, and then you, you're talking about song tw- Money Made is song 12, and you get to get all the way to Black Ice at number 15, it's like yeah, you know, uh, I'm it's, you're fatigued. No, I and and at I at this point
1: I get that, but at some point, like with ACDC, I also feel like. ACDC doesn't necessarily write albums. They did didn't during the Bon Scott era. I think they just write a lot of songs. And so in some capacity, you just feel like, okay, this ha- this one has more good songs than the other one, so it's a better album. I, th- I right. think that's a fair way of looking at it past kind of for those about to rock. I think that was the last album that was an album per se. Um right so right, right. in my opinion i think it goes above power up but below high voltage because i think high voltage has more of a uh you know historical impact than this album but i think this is a better album than power up what do you think
0: i can i can agree with that i mean uh again you get to the, the, the stuff that the ACDCs put out from 2000 on or even for, let's say from Ballbreaker on has gotten to the point where it's relatively a lot of similar songs so which songs are better than the others Mm -hmm. which ones are are structured better which ones are produced better which one has actually been given more effort to become a better song so um, in this particular case Black Ice had a lot had a lot going for it it was just for me personally there was just so much content I couldn't get through it all Um, so I'll give Black Ice uh, that much in terms of being better than power up so and I definitely think it's not up to High Voltage, which had a lot of good songs on it. Yeah, so. I
1: agree. It, you know, as you go through this, you you think like, yeah, this is where I'm going to place it. I I placed, I mean, I placed them essentially in reverse order from this. But as we talk about it, I'm I'm more forgiving of High Voltage, even though it's not my favorite, you know, album. But neither is Black right. Ice. So all right, so that takes us to uh your number 6 my number 7 which is Powerage
0: uh you want to talk about it Powerage um to me out of all of ACDC stuff not counting or let's put it this way out of all of ACDC's classic era stuff so we're going to talk classic era from for those about to rock to the to the to the beginning of their their uh albums that's to me is what I would consider the classic and even though the razor's edge is a is a is a classic by itself. I, I'm just looking at this particular era because a, after from a Switch on, they stopped using um, a producer until they went to Razor's Edge. They had those three albums in a row where they produced it themselves. So it, it was a, Razor's Edge and on is a is a different kind of rebirth. Power Age, or you know, or from for those about to rock up, you know, up from high voltage that era was just outstanding so powerage to me is the for, is the forgotten album agreed in my i think it's so in, underrated in, right it's it's my in my opinion i I've, I've listened to that album the least of all those classic albums and it's been more recently that i've given it more of an opportunity now granted it does have my favorite uh song on there or one of my favorite songs which is Sin City. I love that song.
1: Yeah, rock and roll Dan Nation riff raff, uh gone shooting yes. Sin City all just fantastic tracks.
0: Right, and and that's the thing. So for me I I call it the forgotten album the 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 least, you know, Respected album of that era, but at the same time, if you talk to somebody's metal, uh, these rockers, metalheads, you know, uh, uh, Scott Ian, or even you know some of the other guys in that that same, you know, uh, like uh, the guys from Exodus, Powerage is one of their favorite albums. You know, I, I think I think Powerage is is Scott Ian's favorite album. It, I can
1: see that because it has it has an edge to it that a lot of the other albums from that time period didn't have. Um, and thematically it goes more along the lines of what you would hear, you know, um, lyrically, et cetera, to a lot of stuff that would carry over into thrash metal and those kind of things. It's not a, it has no thrash elements as far as the the songwriting goes, but lyrically it has some similarities, excuse me, but lyrically it has some similarities. Um, so I think that influence, because it is a little bit darker sound for ACDC, it does have that. But as far as mass appeal goes, it was only one-time platinum in the U.S. and three-times platinum in Australia. It has less of a of a um, like a, a footing in the world than some of the ones we're going to talk about. And I think th- uh, songs, you know, like "Let There Be Rock." Stand out, you know, Let There Be Rock is such a standout track that I think most people have heard it in some capacity. Razor's Edge, we're going to talk about a little bit. There's there's Thunderstruck on there, which is a huge impact. Dirty Deeds Done Jeep, who hasn't heard that song? Um, Highway to Hell, Back in Black, you know, all those are going to have tracks on it that pretty much anybody can name. But Powerage, unless you're a music guy, a lot of people like, what you know, What what song is the hit off of it? Most people aren't going to be able to name that, and that's that's why I think it's perfectly fine where it is at number seven.
0: All right, so again, we get to that question. Um, I had Razor's Edge. You had it much at lower at number eleven. Yeah. Okay. So now, so, if we put Power Age at seven, where you had well, it's, it, I mean, everything I at is six. is
1: negotiable. So right now, if right. we have it at seven, I think it's. It's fine, but we need, I think we need to talk about Razor's Edge right now, and yes. I'd like to talk about it because I do have it much higher. Um, Correct. So Razor's Edge comes out in 1990, five times platinum in the U.S., five times platinum in Australia. So what's interesting to me about that when we, when I'm talking about Australia and the U.S., those are different. You know, the amount of people that it impacts is different because the, the rankings and the amount of people um, that quantify platinum is different. So, um, you know, there's a massively different population in Australia than there is in the U S. So that to me is very telling where some of these, you know, they're much higher in the U S than they are in Australia. Maybe the, the ear hits differently in the different countries, Right. So yeah, so t- to be higher essentially in the U.S., even though they're the same number, I think is a big deal, and that shows that they kind of hit their comeback moment. Even though they never really went away, we talked about those three albums that kind of never really did anything: "Fly on the Wall," "Flick of the Switch," and uh, "Blow Up Your Video." Well, by the time you know two years later, after "Blow Up Your Video," "Razor's Edge" comes out, the production sounds monumentally better it sounds pretty close to what they did with back in black not the same um, back in black is just one of those untouchable albums that we're going to talk about in a bit um, but the songwriting so very much improved over blow up your video um, this kind of brought them back to the forefront chris slade sounds great on the drums And again to his knowledge He is still on drums to this day In this band (laughs) Um, um, Thunderstruck Fire your guns Rock your heart out Are you ready Are you ready I believe is used for WWE programming now It's had a long lasting appeal Money Talks is a huge song Um, But Thunderstruck is a staple In their concerts Um, And that's something that I want to talk about When we get to For those about to rock um, That's something that I think, weighs in on the placement of that album. Thunderstruck, I think, adds a lot to this album. And as a whole, Razor's Edge is a really good album. I think it's one of the best ones that, that they, they put out with Brian Johnson.
0: Um, I, I can see your point on a lot of this. What, 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 found, what I found interesting about this album was the fact that it was only two years after Blow Up Your Video. Uh, and blow up your video was three years after fly on the wall. Mm-hmm. Um, so up in, up until the 80s. So you figure, you know, highway to hell, you know, they were putting out an album every year. So then Sometimes all of sudden, a sudden, yeah, yeah, exactly. So, you know, you got in, in terms of the U S it was even stranger because you know, you have highway to hell in 79, you have back in black in 80 then you have, um, Dirty Deeds, Done dirt Cheap, that came out because the record, uh, the the international record company said, even though it's the same the same master company, they say, oh, we need to get this out, we need to capitalize on their popularity. Well, they screwed up everything by by they screwed up the sales for the, for those about to rock by doing that. Um, but for those about to rock and and, and Dirty Deeds are out at the same time essentially, and so they they basically counteracted against each other. Mm-hmm. But regardless, you put out these you now have these two albums and then it's not until 1983. So that, that's the first album that there, there's a gap in between albums in terms of years. Yeah. And then 83 to 85, 85 to 88. So then you're starting to see a pattern. So, uh, Razor's edge. It, it, what's weird about this album. It's only two years after blow up your video and you have this sense and it, and it, it was true. Essentially. This was a make or break album for ACDC.
1: Absolutely. And that's why I refer to it as a comeback. It's not necessarily a comeback because they never went away. But yeah, it's exactly what you're saying. It's make or break.
0: Yeah. And and that's the way, you know, the record company felt about it. That's the way the band felt about it. It was going to be a situation where if this album doesn't do anything, what do we go? Where do we go from here? Well, they struck gold, you know, the, the first single being, you know, money talks or, or Thunderstruck came, which one came out first. Oh, Thunderstruck came out first. Thunderstruck, was definitely a, a hit. Now, what, what's strange about Thunderstruck is you had a similar sense because they put out um, uh, what was a song that came out in um, on the movie soundtrack for uh, Maximum Overdrive. You mean Who Made Who? <clears throat> who made Who? Yes. So you have Who Made Who and Thunderstruck, which have and I'm, they're not they're not the same. So don't bite my head off, guys. You have a similar kind of guitar lick intro, right? But obviously, Thunderstruck is much more impactful um, than Who Made Who. But um Thunderstruck, I mean, like I said, they struck gold and or platinum, if you want to look at it that way. <laughs> so um, they follow it up with a, a, a really cool kind of catchy, you know, call and response kind of song with money talks, you know, and... Um, it, it, it was literally their comeback they they basically were able to solidify their place in rock um, Are you ready in my opinion was not necessarily the right song to pick for the third single but okay it, it is what it is to me fire your guns would have been a better would have better been a better option um, but the album is good I think uh, fire you your know, guns Razors.
1: is a better song I think are you ready is a really good lead off side two track though i think i think it's great
0: that's good i mean it it, it's good it almost it's kind of weird they really should should have used that as the first song in the album to kind of question are you ready for this you know because i I don't know know.
1: thunderstruck is such a good track and to lead off with thunderstruck is. is just that's the thing and and we're debating this we're talking about it i think to me this was this was the second best album that they put out with Brian Johnson on lead. And um, I mean, I really truly feel that way. I, I love what I love about it is you've got songs like mistress for Christmas, which I think is a silly song, but it reminds me of a lot of the, the fun that they had early on in their career where they were just being silly, you know, um, it, you know, goodbye and good riddance to bad luck. I think is, is just a lot of fun. Like there's, there's so much, fun being had here in this album and and it and it shows you know and that i think that's the difference between a lot of the stuff that was prior to it was they hit that that stride and they were like we're having fun with this we're putting out, out good song after good song and it that's why it worked for what it was i don't think it necessarily has to be at number four like i placed it but I think due to its merits of it being a make or break album and them succeeding and not only that exceeding what they what you know what they did with every album prior to this with five times platinum, I think it it has to go in my opinion above power age i'm I'm willing to negotiate that <laughs> but but I don't think it's a number eleven
0: by any means, okay. And you know what in in you've you've made me realize hey, cuz you know when I put this my my list together it's kind of like it it ended up being more of, of a nostalgia factor for me cuz mm-hmm. I had to put this this list together through you know what I I know cuz I I did not have a lot of time to hear every album yeah. but as far as like you know I have heard uh Razor's Edge. I have heard Ball I've heard mostly like the, the newer ones like Black Eyes and Power Up and Stiff Upper Lip or Rock or Bust. I have not heard those all the way through in a long time, if if at all. Yeah. Right? So when it got to the ones that were higher on the list, now it's like, or, you know, it it's the nostalgia factor. Which ones did I listen to more often? Which ones do I listen to now more often?
1: And that's, that's a valid way to think about it, too, is like, you know, which one affected me the most way. And I get that that's always going to be something. And this is our list too, at the end of the day. Um, Right. But like for, for me, Razor's edge was one of those albums. I remember picking it up um, because I had heard thunderstruck and I was just, you know, floored with the album. I thought it was great.
0: No. And, and I agree with you, you know, looking at it now a little in a little more detail. I mean, definitely. I think, Um, it it is when you think about it it is is it better than Power Age? Okay, you know is it better than you know Sin City? Is it better than Riff Raff? Is it better than Rock and Roll Damnation? I
1: think as a whole, in my opinion, yes, I think it is a better album. I think Sin City is better than pretty much anything on Razor's Edge, but that doesn't mean as a whole as an album that it's better just because one track is better
0: right and exactly and, and that, that was you know the, the counter to that is is Razor's Edge better than Down Payment Blues is it better than Give Me a Bullet is it better what, than What's Next to the Moon so yes in my opinion that was a yes so it's it's one of these things where to me it's almost like if you if you rearrange the songs on Power Edge you got a great side A and a weak side B mm-hmm. Right, you rearrange the songs on Razor's Edge, and you probably got a a, a, a strong album throughout I, side yeah, A I still being better so. than B. Yeah, you know, so it's gonna you're gonna have a stronger album. So I, I agree that it should be higher than Power Powerage. So the flip side then becomes, as we as because one leads into the other, okay, mm-hmm. is Razor's Edge better than for those about to rock? Well, and the reason I bring up for those about to rock rather than dirty deeds is because you have dirty deeds a little bit higher. It's true. And I can, I can, we can d- debate that Yeah, it d- because those two fall into a similar thing. And the reason why they fall into a similar thing, they both came out around the same time period in the United States. In the U
1: S yeah. I mean, uh, just before you go over for those about to rock, um, mm-hmm. dirty deeds was released in 1976 technically, um, but it came out after, back in black because back in black had such an impact and this is in the u.s i mean um back in black had such an impact that people were clamoring for as much acdc as they could get so dirty deeds which was skipped in the u.s at that point finally comes out and it's awesome it, it's it's a it's a great album but it, it caused a lot of confusion it caused a tremendous amount of
0: confusion. And, and the f- that was the, the record company really screwed the pooch on that one.
1: Yeah. And the fact that it came out in the same year as For Those About to Rock, people were like, I need to get the new ACDC album. And then you hear a different singer, and it's obviously Bond who was on Highway to Hell, causes a massive amount of confusion. And, and it, to some degree, affects
0: the, the impact of For Those About to Rock. It's such a screw up. Okay. Because not only. Did they not release it in the United States but then they when they release it internationally it's a different version than the one that's in in Australia mm-hmm. so there's actually three different releases of this album yeah the Australian version comes out it includes uh, jailbreak it includes rock and peace you know then the international version comes out a short time later not like you know a year later or anything like that but a short time later. And, or if not at the same time, you know, I think it was a few weeks later. And it, it's missing Jailbreak and it's missing Rock and Peace. Which and I think Jailbreak
1: bro- not being on the U.S. version is a travesty because that is a great song.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, not being on the U.S. or international version, uh-huh. it, it's a mistake. You know, they, they put in, you know, uh, they put in... Rocker, which they had taken off of high voltage, um, or TNT, actually, the Australian TNT, and they threw in an uh, it was weird, they threw in Problem Child because Problem Child was released you know on Dirty Deeds in the original, but then they threw it in the in, in the American version when they already had, they already had it on, it on Let Let there there Be Rock. Rock. Yeah, it's dumb. Yeah, so it's it was really weird. They really screwed the pooch on this release, but Overall, in the end, it finally came out. Um, I actually wish that it had the original album cover um, because that tat- the, the tattoo cover or the cartoon for the original is super cool. I always call it the chicken to... leg arm cover. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It looks like it looks like a, looks like, a, a like a big a, turkey leg or something. Yeah, big turkey leg compared to the the international American version, which has got these people on it with these blacked out eyes i think so. both are cool
1: album covers i think the original australian one is kind of cooler because it's cartoony and fun um whereas the the u.s one is a little bit more gritty looking so mm-hmm. i i don't know i like i like both of them um i'm not sure which one you know you go back in time and and release them and put which whichever album cover I'm not sure which one's more beneficial
0: it just and the, and the other thing that screwed up some people was that not only was it a different singer Bond Scott versus Brian Johnson but there were different bass players Mark Evans versus Cliff Williams Mark Evans did mm-hmm. the bass on Dirty Deeds so it was a really uh, like you didn't know who the hell was in the band in 1981 yeah. at this point yeah. um but regardless of all that um you know, we have, it is what it is at this point, we have what we have, and for, you know, you have both of these albums, for those about to rock that comes out, you have Dirty Deeds, Dirty Deeds is just amazing, and oh, another tidbit on Dirty Deeds is that the original release has a a certain length of, on Dirty Deeds, it's like 4 minutes and 12 seconds, and then for some reason, they release it internationally, and in the United States, and it's, 10 seconds shorter or no not even t- 20 seconds shorter yep and then they release it on cd and it it includes the the longer version then they reissue it on cd again and it includes the shorter version and it's like what the hell yeah
1: they've, you know? Uh, that's the thing about acdc is they they're, they're so consistent yet their releases are so inconsistent um, right one one thing about dirty deeds also is that it is a six time platinum in the u s and and australia release I know that's that's questionable and to some degree because they are slightly different albums, but they're mostly the same um and to me one thing about dirty deeds is this is where a c d c really hit their stride yeah they had they had high voltage t n t before but this is like the album that really cemented what you would hear with bond until his death. You know, a lot of the humor, a lot of the, um, you know, attitude, the double entendre. This is the album that really defined ACDC at that time, even though we didn't get it here until 81, but thinking of it, I mean, every, all of this is obviously in hindsight. So, I think that that's what really defines "Dirty Deeds" and why I placed it at three.
0: Okay, I mean, I, I like I said, I get that. So, um, it, it it to me, this situation of the number six album uh, on our on our list is more about the razor's edge versus for those about to rock. Okay, because you do have for those about to rock. Lower than Razor's Edge. Yes, I do. I have for those about to rock higher than Razor's Edge. Okay, uh, and I admit we can probably push Razor's Edge up more for those about to rock. That's the big question. So let's so let's go over that one. Right. So it's coming after the release of of Back in Black. Um, it it was at the at the time they were looking at it. This is a very important release. Is this going to be as good as Back in Black? I mean, they hit. They hit, and I say it this way, you know, you, you strike gold, they struck platinum, they struck something beyond all that with Back in Black. So what are they going to follow it up with? And they come out with For Those About to Rock. I really enjoy this this album. I've This is one of the few other ACDC albums that I can hear, I can listen to front to back mm-hmm. um, and, and still enjoy it. You know, side one to me is, you know, and I look at it as a record or cassette. We want to look at it. Side one, for those about to rock, put the finger on you, let's get it up, inject the venom, snowball. To me, they all, and you know, snowball's the weakest song to me on that, on side one. But then you come back with Evil Walks and COD. I, I really think this is a very strong album. Um In my opinion, it's stronger than, Razor's Edge because of the, 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 the strength of the songs. Even though there's 12 songs, there's two extra songs on Razor's Edge, I think the songs here are, are, are the, its strength. So, so, your, so I don't opinion?
1: necessarily agree that it's stronger than Razor's Edge, but there is something to be said that this was the first number one album in the U.S. that they had ever released. So there is part of that in, you know, Back in Black was huge. It was massive, Uh, but it gained steam over time because of word of mouth. They weren't the huge band that they were. So think of it in terms of Metallica. Metallica releases the Black Album, and as the tour goes on for that album, more and more people go, wow, this is amazing. So they follow it up years later, and they release Load and Reload, and by that time, they are massive superstars that's kind of the same effect that happens with for those about to rock where back in black is so massive following heaven and hell I'm not heaven and hell highway to hell um so those two albums come out and then the next album they've already got the fan base the fan base goes we're going to buy whatever they release next it doesn't matter what it is
0: let's confuse the shit out of them
1: yeah let's <laughs> let's confuse the shit out of them um so so that, there is that aspect of it, but that being said, it is a very good album that, that, um, you know, along, like, all through the album, it is really good. Yeah, I agree, Snowballed is probably the worst, but it's also the, the end of Side A. Um, <sighs> Night of Long Knives, I think, is a really good track. Um, for Those About to Rock, obviously, is a massive staple in their their concert um and it to me what makes this and and why i'm i'm saying let's go with number five for for those about to rock for now and the reason i'll say this is that canon in the concert is a draw it will be a draw until they're done you know that that's something that fire you know like that every everything Mm -hmm. about that that defines acdc so not only is it, is it important on the album, it's really good, but it defines them in their concert show. And, and that's, that's one thing that, that will always be important. And like I said, when I was thinking about this as, as, you know, how do I rank them? It's not just about the album. It's about the album's impact. And for those about to rock, I think, uh, yeah, I like Razor's Edge better, better. That's all fine and great which one has a bigger impact on the band for those about the rock, let's be honest. So I'm fine with placing it above the razor's edge. That's part of what we do as, as a debate is, you know, decide which one has more merit. Technically for those about the rock has more merit than razor's edge,
0: but we cannot deny the fact that razor's edge, like as we, we talked about, was impactful because it was it it cemented their legacy as opposed to watching them fade away into the distance
1: agreed because you think about it that way and you're you're right so razor's edge was the was a critical moment in their history where you're right they could have faded away into to nothing and been like oh remember that those guys
0: yeah, both of these albums actually were critical because one was coming after Back in Black and the other one was they need to come back.
1: Yes, but Razor's Edge was following three really bad, not bad albums, but three weak albums. And then for those about to rock is following their biggest album.
0: Right. And if they, if they come out with flicking a switch after Back in Black, then ACDC is is toast. <laughs> you know, could so, have been um so, yeah, so exactly. which
1: one do you feel like, between the two, if we're going to place one at five and one at six, which one do you believe belongs at five? I, I
0: think Razor's Edge should be at six, and, and for those about the rock, should be at five. I agree. Yep. Okay. So we're down to the last four. Um, and so we just spoke about Dirty Deeds, and I personally think Dirty Deeds would be fine at number four. Okay. Because we already know what the other three are.
1: So I disagree that Let There Be Rock is better than Dirty Deeds, but I love both albums. So I know you have some strong feelings about Let There Be Rock, you know, placing it at number three. So why don't you talk about Let There Be Rock?
0: Well, okay. So you look at Let There Be Rock, right? And to me, of, of the Bond era songs, I consider this to be their best album because it's one of these, except for one song, in my opinion, it's it's a it's a, a a listen through, you know, front to back. The to me the weakest song in this album is Crabsody and Blue. Uh and that's the original Australian version. It's not even on the 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 international version. Yeah. Okay, they took they took Crab City and Blue off, right? And they threw in Problem for Child for whatever reason, Problem Child. Yeah. So it actually makes the the song internationally because we haven't, you know, uh, internationally we have heard Um, 30 D's, but in the United States, we haven't. So in the United States, and this is where we're living and this is where we're talking from. Okay. We have to go with the fact that we've got problem child. So to me, front to back, this album is really, really good. Go down. If you look at it that way, then go down is to me is the weakest song in the album based on the, the American version. Um, and I and I like go down. You know, dog eat dog is great. Let there be rock. Bad boy boogie. Problem child overdose. Helling a bad place to be. And of course, the classic whole lot of Rosie. So when you look at it, Dirty Deeds Done Dirt Cheap. You know, it. I I look at Dirty Deeds as a very good album, but at the at the same time, I by this time I wasn't aware that Dirty Deeds was out. You know, um, but you're I, aware now. Oh, obviously I'm working <laughs> now. <laughs> what? You know, what is it? But uh, you know, "Dirty D's" is a great song itself. Problem, you know. Again, we hear "Problem Child" again, you know. But it, to me, is there going to be some rocking and ain't no fun waiting around to be a millionaire and squealer? Are are they stronger than and than most of the songs on "Let There Be Rock"? That's where it is, you know, like big balls. It's as cool as big balls of a song is. In reality, song structure-wise, and all that, song is the song that much better than, let's say, Bad Boy Boogie or Overdose. Well, it depends on your
1: definition of what makes a good song. So, like, correct? Yeah, it's not it's not a technical masterpiece, but it's great. It's oh, so it's a masterpiece fun. of double entendre. Oh uh, yeah. <laughs> Big, okay, Dirty Deeds Done Dirt Cheap. Love at First Feel. Big balls. Um, I mean, it, it rocker. Rocker's great problem child um i mean you you kind of got to discount problem child in the way because it's on both albums um right but yeah, yeah. i think okay. side two is so, a
0: weaker version is a weaker uh, weaker part of the album the ride part, on you know. is great oh okay. i love right on so I yes ride on.
1: side two is definitely the weaker side i think side one is the weaker side on let there be rock that being said let there be rock out Weighs all of that like the the track itself but doggy dog go down and bad boy boogie i think are weaker than overdose uh hell ain't a bad place to be and of course whole lot of rosie is is a staple um and problem child we're ne- kind of negating in a way and mm-hmm. crab city and blue i think sucks like I, oh, yeah, i'm terrible glad show. i'm glad it's not on the the US release I think it sucks. Um I hate to say that cuz I love Bon Scott but yeah it sucks. Um <laughs> <laughs> so th- the fact is to me these are real close. They are real close. The 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 thing that I think is really telling to me in in a way is that Dirty Duns Dirty Deeds Done Dirt Cheap has hit 6 times platinum in the US. That's with all the confusion, with all the bullshit f- surrounding this album, it has gained that back that much popularity. Um, again, that's where the band really started to hit their stride. Yes, let there be rock is fantastic, and they, I can't take anything away from it. If anything, they will probably be on the same level. You know, I don't think one is really technically better than the other album, in my opinion, as far as the music goes. But there are certain factors that I think that raise, in my opinion, Dirty Deeds above it. But there's the music video for Let There Be Rock, which is just fantastic. It's so good. And mm-hmm. it, and if you're going to compare it to, like, the, what, the Jailbreak video from the Australian release of, of Dirty Deeds... It way outclasses the the Jailbreak video. Um, Oh, yeah. And then Let There Be Rock. What does and what will make me really okay with putting it at number three above Dirty Deeds is this album saved the band from breaking up. So they had reached, they were not hitting, they were not getting anywhere. You know, Dirty Deeds didn't get released in the U.S. until 81 after Bond's death, that's, that's pretty massive. You know, they, that means mm-hmm. that they, they weren't, they weren't going anywhere. Um, so for let there be rock to come out in the U S and actually do fairly well, not, not amazing, but fairly well and, um, hit, you know, very well on the charts everywhere else that that did save them from their kind of downward slump and they were thinking that they were going to break up. So to save them and then to follow that up with highway to hell. Yeah, I I can agree that this is this has a little bit more of an impact and an importance than dirty deeds.
0: The the funny thing about the argument with the, the sales um, yes, dirty deeds it's six times platinum in the United States, despite the confusion, uh, compared to two, two million. But you also have to look at where are the, when and where are these sales happening? True. Right. Let there be rock is double platinum. Did, did it go Triple. double platinum Triple. because of back in black? Um, was it, was it platinum before back in black? Right. Dirty Deeds Done Dirt Cheap is coming out after Back in Black and the impact. And it's the it's the immediate release, technically, True. after Back in Black. So um, I, I look at that, you know, when you look at, say, the UK, they both went gold. Australia was five and six, you know, six, Dirty Deeds being six. So were they similar in sales? And then because Dirty Deeds came out in America, it created another, you know, uh, another cycle for the album to be sold in australia maybe throwing in another platinum who knows okay because it, we're, we're looking way way back here yeah so, there's
1: there's so many factors that you can't right. pinpoint so one i see thing. them yeah. uh, you know uh,
0: the fact that you're willing to say okay let's go ahead and put dirty deeds at four and let there be rock at three i'm okay with that
1: yeah there, i mean there's a lot of factors but i think it being another make or break moment Um, Mm -hmm. is very important, and that's why maybe it should go at 3 instead of 4.
0: Okay. So that brings us down to the last two, in which we both agree. So why don't I...
1: I'm I'm a bigger fan of Highway to Hell than you are, so why (laughs) don't I talk about that one and you talk about Back in Black? Okay. So that leads us to number two, which is Highway to Hell. Seven times platinum in the U.S., five times in Australia. Unfortunately... Or in some ways, I guess, fortunately, um, I hate to say it that way, but I don't know if they, if ACDC would have ever been as big without the, the, the passing of Bond as much of a tragedy as it is. So I I hate to even think of it that way, but this was the final album with Bond, um, you know, every song to me from beginning to end is an absolute banger. I can listen to it all the way through every time. Um, I mean, highlights, if I'm going to pick highlights, would be Highway to Hell, Girls Got Rhythm, "Touch Too Much, Shot Down in Flames, Beating Around the Bush, If You Want, Bud, and Night Prowler. I mean, that's that's practically the whole album. I don't think that any of the songs are bad. I just think those are the the best ones uh Touch Too Much, Girls Got Rhythm, Highway to Hell probably being my favorites. Um this album to me is 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 my favorite uh ac album. Even more so than Back in Black, but I can recognize that Back in Black is obviously the bigger album um and it sounds better. I mean, it does just some I mean We'll talk about it in a minute, but it just, it's so, so well done. And this is a little bit more raw in its sound. You can hear that this is, you know, from highway to hell to back in black, the progression makes absolute sense from, from, uh, say dirty deeds to let there be rock to highway to hell. The progression makes absolute sense. Um, it's just, it's such a landmark. It's such a tragedy that bond died. Um, his lyrics on this album are just magic. Um, and it's so crazy to think like you have an album like highway to hell, which is just so good to call it a number two, but it makes sense when you put it up against back in black,
0: you know, there's, um, reflecting upon both albums, and I, I've I've said this story before. The first four, and I bought four CDs at one time. The first time I ever bought a CD, one of them was because it just came out and it was the big album of the time, and that was Guns and Roses Lies. But then I bought three, you know, uh, catalog albums. The, the 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 other ones being. Queensryche's The Warning, because I was a big Queensryche fan. So this is coming out. I purchased my first CDs, I believe, before um, uh, Queensryche Operation Mindcrime. And Back in Black and Highway to Hell, them both at the same time. That's how impactful those albums are to me, that I had to buy both of them at the same time, because I had to have them. I had to have Highway to Hell. I had to have Back in Black. Um... Being one or two, like you said, it's hard to sit there and say, oh, Highway to Hell is a number two album. But, you know, it's hard to live up to what is number one, Back in Black, because of what the impact that Back in Black has. Mm -hmm. So Highway to Hell to me is, is an amazing album. I agree with you. The songs, front to back. I mean, when you think, in my opinion, "Get It Hot" is the is the worst song in the album. <laughs> you know, but it's still it, good. It's still fun. Oh, exactly, yeah. it's a very good song. You know, my favorite song on the album is "Touch Too Much." Touch I Too Much love is that so good. Um, it, it, it's just so it's got such a cool groove to it. You know, "Highway to Hell" is a classic. It is it is what it is. I mean, you can't deny the 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 strength of that song.
1: The the problem um, lies in a lot of times with with these two specific albums is you hear these songs so much that they lose some of the impact. Like you hear, if you go to a baseball game, you're going to hear one of these songs on these albums, you know? Right. Um, yeah, exactly. you know, and, and so I get that aspect of it, but, the world is a little different now. I don't know if people listen to the radio the same as they used to. Um, I I really don't listen to radio. When that when new music comes out, I listen to it, um, and I'll find out if I like something or not. It's just a different
0: world than it used to be. Um, but in- it's a different world. But you know, I was I heard something the other day, or reading something, and radio is still very, very, very impactful. Mm. So that that's that's so something to be said about that. That's good. Yeah. So, you know, you then you turn around and you say, "Okay, so the number one album is going to be Back in Black." And and it's undeniable. You know why? You know, 25 times platinum
1: way. in the US, 12 <laughs> times platinum in in Australia. Exactly. So so think about that. 25 times platinum. That is astronomical.
0: That's oh, over yeah. three times what what Highway to Hell did. It's it's nuts to think about the the amount of people that have purchased this album, um, <laughs> and some but, of us twice or three times. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, hell, I have it. I mean, I, when you buy the box set, uh, uh, was it Bonfire? You get Back in Black. That's true. Um, so, but that that goes under a different kind of category in terms of sales because yeah. it's part of the box set. But, again, that's the reason why I have two versions of it. Um, and then when the remastered version came out, oof, that was that was even better sounding. Um, this album, you know, you and I have joked about this before. Let Me Put My Love Into You is my, my least favorite song. I love that but song, it, I still know the song <laughs> yeah. so well because this is an album front to back is a masterpiece, okay? My favorite ACDC song of all time is on this album, Shoot to Thrill, um... To the point, my wife and I were watching something the other day. I can't remember who we were watching. Um, but they used the Hell's Bell's Bell in the music that, that was being played. I can't remember what we were watching, if it was a concert, if it was something else. But I was in the other room, and all of a sudden, I hear the bell. And I'm like, that's That's ACDC. Why, why is why is another band playing ACDC or using it so they were sampling it in the you know, as part of the song? It was absolutely undeniable that that was highway to hell. I mean, excuse me excuse me that, that that was Hell's bells. So you know that that's the impact of hearing that bell. Because they use it too for uh, who is the the closer for the San Diego Padres, Trevor Hoffman used Hell's Bells. So as soon as the ninth inning came and he was ready to close it, you know when when they went to commercial, you know, so the stadium people inside the stadium you would hear the first bell, boom, and he's 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 making his way from the bullpen to the mound. He's playing Hell's Bells, much like how you know Mariano Rivera used Enter Sandman. Trevor Hoffman used Hell's Bell, so it's it's crazy to think about that. Um, well, I
1: mean, this is another album that was a make or break moment for for ACDC. I mean, obviously, had a lot of those in their career they really have. Um, but you think about it, like their their lead singer and and primary lyricist died; he was he was no longer there. So how do you follow that up? I mean, they they considered breaking up. They considered, you know calling it quits well
0: you steal his lyric book
1: this guy that sounds exactly (laughs) like bon scott no i'm just kidding um so when i was in high school (laughs) there was a there was a a friend of mine who was talking about acdc and 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 he says and so bon dies and they they get this guy that sounds exactly the
0: same and i was like what (laughs) (laughs) yeah i don't know who 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 thinks they sound exactly the same that'll always stick with me but yeah
1: yeah, I mean they bring in Brian Johnson, and in some cosmic sense, he has the approval of Bond's parents because you know they knew each other, and and you know he Bond had said he had, he liked Geordie and like there was there was all these things that that lined up, and then they start writing the songs, and there's the emotion being poured into it over what's been going on, and the productions. like perfect and all these it's just kismet you know it's just it's just kismet like this album is so perfect
0: it really is It, it it is and and what makes it all that much more insane if you want to look at it that way is that bond died in february of 1980 they hire a new singer record a new album and release the album in a period of five months, Mm -hmm. four months. If you want to look at the fact that they finished recording and it took, it took two months or excuse me, three months. It, It, it took five months overall to release the album, three months to record it or to, to, to get to the end of the recording from the time of his death. It's only months. We're not talking years. You know, it, it's months. Nowadays, something, somebody dies and it's, it takes a, a couple years just to make sure that everything is settled properly. This was months. And it's amazing to think that they were able to do something like that in such a short period of time. Yep. So, Back in Black to, is, you know, in our opinion, their best album. Well... The most impactful, I mean, you talk about turning points in their career or, or, you know, they, they need to do something to, you know, the, the career, uh, what was it that you called it, um, make or break point in their, in, in their career. And they had several of these. The one thing that's really cool is each and every time there was a make or break period or make or break point in their career, they answered they the bell to the occasion. Yep. They rose to the occasion. You know, if they can only think that every album was, <laughs> was make or break. <laughs> so, well, but I mean, here we people are.
1: People said, people said after, you know, and it's uh, obviously we didn't put it as the highest on our list. But people said, like, after Brian left and Cliff left and all this stuff, like when when they're finally going to release um, uh, Power Up, you know, oh, they're just doing it because they're, you know. But no, we've got we ended up putting a power power up at what? Number 10? So mm-hmm. like obviously you know it's that's something to be said when they've got 16 albums. So you know it's just it's one of those things this this band has a way of continuing to do what they love and expressing that and making you feel that love. Yes.
0: Absolutely. So um we're at this point here where we've we've ranked these 16 through 1. Is there any changes that you think you want to make to this list where we have it
1: i mean i really don't think so i think we the way we discussed it everything you know from beginning to end um the only thing that i you know maybe question is say rocker bust or stiff stiff upper lip but that being said i i like the way we have the list i think it's fine okay
0: i i, I can I, I agree with you in terms of rocker or bust or stiff upper lip. But, you know, to me, it's like sort of like the number one and number two, 15 and 16 at this point, you know, they're so close. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, so we'll go ahead and leave it the way it is. Um, why don't you go ahead and read the, the 16 through one? Why don't you read the worst of first of ACDC's studio albums?
1: All right. So at number 16, we got stiff upper lip. Number 15, we got Rock or Bust. At 14, Fly on the Wall. At 13, Flick of the Switch. At 12, Blow Up Your Video. At 11, Ball Breaker. At number 10, we got Power Up. At number 9, we got Black Ice. At number 8, High Voltage. At number 7, Power Age. At number 6, The Razor's Edge. At number 5, For Those About to Rock. At number 4, Dirty Deeds. Number three, Let There Be Rock. Number two, Highway to Hell. And number one, Back in Black.
0: I I can go with that. I like that. So that is our worst of first ACDC albums. Um, This is probably the first time. Well, this is the first time that we've done something like this. I think we're definitely going to do some more. There are some bands out there, some classic hard rock, heavy metal bands that have a extensive catalog. You guys out there know who they are. We are going to try to incorporate some other bands that are not necessarily ones that we talk about all the time that do have an extensive uh, catalog to hopefully, you know, mix in some other bands that we haven't talked about much. So um, I like the list. I don't know. uh, It's, it's pretty cool. I mean, I've been a fan of ACDCs for for so many years. This is definitely a, a, to me, a definitive list.
1: I think so. I mean, talking about it and kind of going over the merits of everything, kind of seeing it from somebody else's perspective, too, is really interesting. That's what I really enjoy about these debates is that, you know, you can see it in your eyes, but sometimes it, when you talk about like, oh, this this album impacted me um, because of when it came out and how, you know, what was going on in my life and things like that, that's always an interesting perspective. And I always like that.
0: Definitely. Um, you, you have to you have to look at those things because there's a lot of those all those things, every everything the impactfulness the emotion behind it why this song means something to you they all have something that that is the reason why this means something to you and that's that's absolutely necessary in, in this kind of debate. Yep. All right. Well, that brings us to something we haven't spoke about today, and that is our big four. Um, our big four for this week is. A review of this year um, we didn't do it last year um, and I, I think part of it had to do with just the, the, the craziness of 2020 um, and uh, so but this year we're gonna do it um, we are gonna do the big four albums of 2021 so we're gonna we have looked at all the albums that came out this year um, some of them we've bought most of them we didn't, <laughs> so um, we're gonna we're gonna break down what our big four are. And I know you mentioned to me earlier that you have a couple that you want to mention. So why don't you go ahead and go first on this one?
1: Okay, um, so I'm gonna give my big four, um, but then I'm also gonna just mention some al- albums afterwards that I that I really enjoyed as well. I know we don't usually do say honorable mentions, but since this, this is kind of since this is kind of wrapping up the year, I'd like to kind of just address a couple others that I enjoyed. So my number four, um, is one that I'm not sure I talked about this year, but one that I've really enjoyed listening to, uh, over the last few months. And that's Hannes Grossman. Um, he was the drummer from, Ob- Obscura. Uh, at least that's where I knew him from, but he's kind of one of these guys that has his, his hands, uh, or his Hannes in a lot of <laughs> the, <laughs> In a lot of the metal community, he plays with a lot of different people, including Tripticon, which was um, uh, George Fisher um, from or Tom Fisher. I'm sorry. Not George Fisher. That's uh cannibal corpse. Jeez. Uh, so Tom Fisher, who was um, what, what was the band? Um, uh, Celtic Frost. Celtic Frost. So he's he's worked with Triptychon, he's worked with a lot of different people, and so he had um, singers Morian and V Santora join him, as well as Linus Klausenitzer, sorry, as well as Le- Linus who and Christian Moinser, who were both in um, Obscura with him at one point, and Danny Tucker on guitar um, released this incredible tech death album that I just love. It's so good. Um, The Highlights are the great designer, symbolic nature of terms in the Glacier's Eye. Um, I think it's a really underrated album, at least in the U.S. I think um, it's one of those that you don't see a lot online about. But uh, if you get a chance, check out To Where the Light Ends by Hannes Grossman. It is excellent. And if you're into tech death at all, um, or even not, just give it a try let you know let listen to any of these tracks um the great designers the opening track and it kind of gives you an idea but there's so much more to it christian moinsner does some solos on it that are mind-blowing my number three is beast in black dark connection um this was in an interesting release to me because uh their first two albums were very similar to each other um I really like Beast in Black. Um, their singer, Yanis Papadopoulos, uh, he has such an amazing range. I, 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 He blows my mind every time I hear him sing. Um, so one thing one thing about this album that I really enjoyed was that it took them in kind of a bold new direction where they incorporated more of the uh, techno aspect of their, their music to the point that the album is more based around um, like... Blade Runner-esque cyberpunk themes than the first two albums, which were more like swords and sorcery and that kind of stuff. Um, They interestingly did a cover of uh, They Don't Care About Us by Michael Jackson, which was a lot of fun. Um, There's a music video. If If you get a chance, check out the music video for Moonlight Rendezvous. It is like watching a Blade Runner esque movie. It is so fun. Um, but Blade Runner is actually the, the first track on the album. You can tell what the, the uh inspiration is. It's so good. Um so the next uh my number two is Obscura with a Va- uh, valediction. Um Obscura had pretty much Broken apart following their last album, where everyone that was in the band other than Stefan Kamura, Kum- uh, the the guitarist and singer, left the band. So what does he do? He uh, reestablishes the band by bringing in back in former members Christian Winsner and Uroan Paul Thessling uh, on guitar and bass, and then brings in an amazing guitar um, uh, drummer, uh, David Dipold. So I I was really you know not skeptical out first, like when, when everybody left. Um, but you know, I was a little bit nervous, but as he announced which members were rejoining, I got more and more excited. And a lot of the guys, I mean, actually all the guys that left formed another band called Obsidious, which is a kind of a spin off, a little bit different take on, you know, what they were doing musically. and, I was really pleasantly surprised that I still enjoyed what Obscura is doing more than what I've heard from Obsidius so far. It just really shows me that Stefan is a musical genius, and I'm just very satisfied with what they put out this time. Um, Highlights are Forsaken, which has some amazing guitar work, and it brings in a lot of what uh, Christian Moinsner did did on his solo album, or, or albums, you know, with his guitar work and adds that into this. So there's, there's a lot more, um, collaboration in the songwriting here. And i I just love it. Solaris, uh, when stars collide. And then if you're looking for a really heavy track, uh, listen to devoured usurper. It is so, so heavy and so good. And then my number one, we did a full review of it earlier this year, uh, and that was Senjutsu by Iron Maiden. Um, Stratego, The Writing on the Wall, Days of Future Past, The Parchment, Hell on Earth, and I could go on because this is an album I can listen to from beginning to end. Hell on Earth was, I could not stop listening to that song on repeat for months. Um, This is my favorite Iron Maiden album in years. And I really, truly mean that. I know some people have disagreed, and and you know they don't they don't like this era of Iron Maiden. I disagree. I think they've as you know from um, 2000 on, they've you know they started really strong, and then they kind of were hit or miss for a little bit. But then coming out with this album here, um, you know, even 20 years later since their reunion. I'm blown away and I'm so happy that this album came out this year. I've, I just absolutely loved it. And then for,
0: Oh, sorry. Go on. I
1: was just going to say, and then for my honorable mentions, um, I just kind of want to mention, uh, bottom after midnight, they released a, a, um, EP, uh, Paint the sky with blood. It's really good. It's gonna be missed by a lot of people because Alexei passed away around this time last year, and it came out, I believe, in April. And it's just, it's gonna have a, a hard time finding ground to sit on following his his passing. But definitely check out those three songs that they did, except too mean to die absolutely loved it. i don't want to go into too much detail on these so so we kind of wrap things up but um uh check out the best is yet to come that is a really awesome track but the whole album is another one that i can listen to from beginning to end i i really like it uh, kk's priest came out this year with sermons of the sinner um i'm really glad to hear kk doing something um you know, I know a lot of people have opinions on him talking so much about Judas priest and everything, but I get that from his perspective. Um, but the album itself is really good. Uh, I think, you kind of even mentioned at one point you thought you thought like, what, what is this Judas Priest song? I, I don't, uh, I don't remember this one. So, yeah. and then, um, Halloween came out with their self titled album this year. Um, it's a lot of fun. The absence is another band I really like They released Coffinized This was one I kind of slept on and I, I've only really, really listened to it a few times lately and I really like it. So definitely check that one out. Cause the absence is an awesome, uh, death metal band and there was one, one last one I want to mention, which was Ophidian One, uh, and they're a band from Iceland. We talked, I talked about them in, in a Freshly Forged earlier this year, and um, I'm still kind of wrapping my head around this one because it's so, it's like ultra tech death. Um, the uh song spiral to oblivion is mind blowing and i and i still like every time i listen to it i have to kind of like process it so if you're not into that kind of thing you you won't enjoy it it is extremely tech death but you can hear these guys are are extremely talented and uh definitely worth at least a listen
0: absolutely Dude, that is a really cool list. Um, I know we had talked about some of those bands. I mean, we talked all about about Obscura, Beast in Black, and Hannes Grossman throughout the year. So um, that is definitely a really cool list, and it's it's definitely different than mine, (laughs) except for one. (laughs) So... um, my big four albums for 2021 um, is as follows, and the first one, number four, is not a full length album, but it is an EP. It's got three songs, but it's extremely important in in the timeline and in the the um, the sequence of things, I guess you could say. Um, Bottom after midnight with Paint the Sky with Blood, the EP. Um, one year ago. Alexi Lyod passed away. It was a shock to the international metal scene. Um, and it it was one of those things where you had we had so many high hopes for this album, and when it was finally released, we understand why we had those high hopes. Um I you know, you have turned me into a children of bottom fan and I had, I had known about them cause I had seen them in concert, but it, it not, it was not something that really stuck with me until you and I started doing this podcast and became good friends. Um, but you know, we, I watched a video and you and I had the same thought was, Hey, he shared guitar solos <laughs> yep, and that was really cool. And so, um, this, the song paint the sky with blood is just incredible um i really 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 enjoy that song the other two songs in the album are also extremely strong so um it's it's uh it's unfortunate that these are the final works for alexi but at the same time we are fortunate enough to finally have these songs which were the final works of alexi and they came out and they were as good as anything he had done in the past so that's that's awesome uh number three for me is KK's Priest: The Sermons of the Sinner. It's the f- debut album of former Judas Priest guitarist KK Downing, which also includes former Judas Priest singer Tim Ripper Owens. Um, there are some really good songs on this album, um, like like uh, Chris mentioned. There's been a couple times where I've you know I've thrown. The songs on my playlist, and they come up, and I'm like, "Is this a Priest song? From, is this from the <laughs> the, the, the stuff from uh, Jugulator? No. Is this off of Painkiller? Because it sounded like Painkiller. No, it's not. This is stuff off of KK's Priest, and it's, so it's that good. Um, so it's a very good album. So it's my number three. Number two is Accepts to Mean to Die. Um, it's the 15th or 16th studio album from the band, um, depending on how you count the first two albums." Um, it's an extremely good album. I mean, to me, it's probably their strongest album since blood of the nations. And that, that tells you something because the the two albums that came out after blood of the nations were two or three were pretty strong, but this one is probably the strongest of all the, uh, all the albums with, um, mark turnio on singer on vocals
1: <laughs> on singer <laughs> <laughs> on singer <laughs> so. you know I, I to piggyback on that a little bit mm-hmm. i kind of like to mean to die as time's gone on i kind of like it better than blood to the nations so um it's you know it's questionable i i i may feel that differently a different day but i've i've been really enjoying this album
0: Yeah. And, and I, I enjoy it. And the reason why I say it's, it's the best thing since blood of nations is because blood of nations was so strong coming Uh, back from, from basically oblivion. Uh, They were nothing. They were, they didn't exist really Um, to come back and put out blood of nations and, you know, blood of nations, Teutonic Terror's pandemic is on that uh, album. Um, And and there's a couple other songs that are really good that, to me you know when they released Stalingrad and Blind Rage and and all the things after that they were they all to me kind of sounded the same and became like generic except and they had one or two strong songs uh almost like you know the last 2 hours that we were talking about ACDC and having certain types of songs being their their style and yet, yeah you know you you have ones that are better than others that's the way these last few albums are, have been but too Mean to Die um, has had some really good songs on it to me. I mean, it leads off with Zombie Apocalypse, which, you know, it's kind of corny in that way, but so what? That's what metal's all about. It's a good song, you know, but then Overnight Sensation, I know you're not big on that one, but I thought it was a pretty cool song. And The Undertaker, which was the first single off of it, was is a really cool song. But uh, the highlight is, and then you mentioned it, The Best is Yet to Come that song i I listened to it the other day and it just popped up on my playlist and i and i wasn't really paying attention to it per se but i started getting this deep purple vibe and i was like wow this is a really cool song and then i say oh this is that Accept song that chris likes a lot and it's the best is yet to come so it's a really really good song so it's a really really good album so that's my number two and my number one is a consensus with yours iron maiden senjutsu uh, I mean, what else is there to say about it? It's their 17th studio album in a really long 46, 47 year career. They're still at the top of their game. It's a strong, strong, strong album. Um, if it's, if you like the reunion era stuff, you're going to really love this album. If you're not a fan of the reunion era stuff, you're still going to like this album because it's still got some strong stuff on it. You just have to kind of get used to it. And that's all I can say about it because if you're not into the reunion era stuff you're missing out, you know, and that's part of the issue. And I've finally accepted certain things about it. And I, you know, I, I, let the first two minutes of the song go by so i could then hear the rest of the song which is actually the good part so uh give it a listen it is a great album give all these albums a listen um because they're all good stuff and there's you know go to the list on wikipedia of the 2021 releases that came out for heavy metal bands and you'll see a lot a lot of good albums a lot of good artists on there agreed agreed all right Well, that's our big four albums for 2021, and that brings us to the end of this year-end episode. So if you liked what you heard and you want to hear more, you can find us wherever you get your podcasts. So click that subscribe button and check us out every week.
1: That's right. And if you enjoyed what you heard today, be sure to leave us a message on Facebook at Debating Metal Podcast and on Instagram and Twitter at Debating Metal. On Facebook, it is different. It is Debating Metal Podcast and, again, on Instagram at Debating Metal. Uh, Be sure to check us out on YouTube and leave us a comment. If you disagree with our list and want to give us your list, send us an email to debatingmetal at gmail.com. And we'll read your list on the next episode. If you use Spotify, be sure to check out our playlist from all our greatest hits episodes, like the one we just recently did for Alter Bridge. And remember to tune in to the next episode where we spark up another exciting metal debate. On behalf of Kenneth and myself, stay safe, always turn it up to 11, and have a happy new year.
0: See ya next year.